Hello guys, welcome to a special Sunday edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. It's Cheltenham Festival next week. We're losing George to horse racing for the week. And so we are getting this done nice and early. And it's going to be, a well, I think it's an important show today. We've talked every week for the whole season and every week something changes. Every week something different happens and opinions change and narrative changes. Well, today we're going to boil everything down. Ten games to go. We are very much at the beginning of what is known as the run-in. And as such, we're going to take five minutes on each segment of all three EFL divisions. That is to say, the top, the playoff places and the relegation battles of each league. Pure, boiled-down analysis. Joining me, uh, George Ellett. Good morning, George. How are you? Good morning, mate. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm still still waking up after the uh, the game I saw yesterday. Was it a dream or was it a nightmare for Oxford at Gillingham? It was a nightmare, but we'll get on to it. Um, it was a combination of a terrible result and a really boring game. Not good, that. Not good. Before we get into the top of the championship, we're going to start with five minutes on the big news from Saturday. And that was the dismissal of Darren Moore uh, as West Brom manager. Now, this is going to be tough to do in five minutes because there's so much to it and one of the frustrations I'm sure you've found the same although it sounds like you were out last night so maybe you were mercifully spared from the 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 Twitter outrage but there is so much nuance to this so much more uh, than the amount that it's being treated with generally and and that's Twitter for you but let's try and uh, let's try and drill down George into this first of all we've spoken a lot about Darren Moore and this West Brom team uh, maybe more than any other team in the last few weeks, scratching our heads a little bit and, and not being particularly impressed. So this can't have been a surprise to you. It was a surprise. I think it wasn't a surprise it is wrong. Um, I didn't expect them to make the decision, even if I think that he's maybe, um, even if I think, I think it's possibly justified. Um, it, it always annoys me this, how you have this outrage from leading members of the media who, who generally don't really talk about football outside the Premier League. You have outrage from fans of other clubs who don't really know what's going on. And at the end of the day, as, as Colin Murray said on, on the EFL show on, on Quest, that the fans aren't happy with the tactics and, and they aren't happy with the performances. The home results have not been good enough, even if the away results are. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that there are managers out there right now, Jukanovic and Wagner being two of the obvious ones, but plenty of others who undoubtedly would get more out of this squad. So it's very harsh on more you could argue, even argue it's pretty unfair on him but that's the nature of the job and and I think that to, to criticise that the board are making a decision that they're doing in the best interests of the football club um, maybe if they if they kept the faith in more and he, and he was given time to learn on the job that would have been okay but as the statement said from the club they want to get promotion this season and to give themselves the best chance of doing so um, they're looking for another manager that's an issue with management in general at the moment someone pointed out, and it's a valid point on Twitter to us last night. How how can you learn from your mistakes if you aren't given time to do so? But then I suppose the flip side is, as a board, how do you decide which mistakes are being learned from? How long do you give a, a manager, is it weeks, months, years, to show that they're learning from their mistakes? If, if you consider some of the formation changes to have been mistakes. Did it take too long for him to, to change? They obviously made the change yesterday, Gale through the middle rather than out left against Ipswich. Uh, the performance, not much better. And and the, one of the big buzzwords from yesterday was, we've made the worst team in the division look like one of the better teams in the division. And having had a very tough time against admittedly 
good opponents in Leeds and Sheffield United recently. Uh, you know, p- performances have trended downwards and the results starting to follow. Now, business is a, is a topic here, isn't it? Because Kieran Maguire, football finance ex- expert, uh, has tweeted that uh, in January, West Brom borrowed money from Barclays uh, and agreed to repay it from the remaining parachute payments for, for this season and for next season, which he says suggests that cash flow is not great. You can sense the urgency in their statement. And I think that that has to be understood by everyone, that, that whether you think it's the right decision or not, whether you think they should have these lofty expectations of immediate uh, promotion, that's very much what they're saying. And thus, with 10 games to go, can we get someone in who can at least make sure that we go into the playoffs uh, maybe with a better system, a more efficient system? I think that's exactly right. I mean, as, as you say, especially given the parachute payments and, and the situation that t- clubs relegated from the Premier League find themselves in, you, you're not afforded that time to get it right. I mean, these two or three seasons are so important to do so. Otherwise, a whole new rebuilding uh, has to take place. So... I mean, as I said, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> if I was standing in front of Darren Moore, I wouldn't be here telling him he deserved to get sacked. Um, but at the same time, I, I just don't agree in any way with the, with the criticism coming from people who don't understand the situation. Just you know, either either do your research or shut up. Yeah, there's a, a, what I would call league table analysts who are just yeah. simply looking at uh, at the league table and not really digging much deeper. We've been doing so or trying to do so over the last few weeks. So regular listeners to the pod will know uh, some of the things that that we didn't think were going particularly well for West Brom. Um, lastly, my other favourite thing is look at look at the other teams that have been relegated from the Premier League, and uh, and you know you can't be disappointed if you're fourth. On the face of it, you go, yeah, that that's right. Actually, Sunderland are, are all the way down in League One. Middlesbrough are only fifth. Hull eleventh. That was last season's relegated teams. Uh, Swansea are fifteenth. Stoker sixteenth. So. You know, why are you upset that your team are the best of that bunch? But that that seems an absurd thing to ask people to do, to compare themselves to teams who are clearly (laughs) have not got it right. Like, oh, well, well, Stoke completely botched their relegation, their summer business and their first immediate appointment. I love the idea you can botch a relegation. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a good point. We'll botch their reaction to relegation. Um, So we should compare ourselves to them and well, we're doing all right, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's totally understandable. Um, and it's interesting when you compare them to Swansea, how the expectation levels at Swansea, the way that Graham Potter has been given time, and 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 given the you know the, the, the squad itself is so different to the one that got relegated that it's no surprise to see they're not they're not being any murmuring to discontent despite their mid-table position. Um, watching that game against Norwich on Friday night made me think that they could be. You know, it feels a little bit like Daniel Farker's Norwich last season, where you've got a lot of good players playing a nice style of football. Something isn't quite there yet, but the foundations are there for a strong season. And and that is a case of, of building for the future. But with, with Darren Moore, he's got a squad that is probably the most expensively assembled in the league. Um, and you do feel like they're going to lose a lot of their talent if they don't go up next season. I can't imagine Dwight Gale will be there. I can't imagine that... Uh, the Jay Rodriguez will be there, um, and you've got ageing players like Gareth Barry who who just aren't going to be um, playing to that level for much longer, and and are going to be very very difficult to replace. So it makes sense to get someone in now who can try and fire them up the, up the table. And as I say, I've I have no doubt that if they do get Wagner, or if they do get Ikanovic, he's going to be able to get more of a tune out of this team than than Moore has. 
he did an amazing job uh, in, in terms of man management, certainly in uh, helping the club to get over the, the initial trauma of relegation and, and under incredibly difficult circumstances over the summer where there were changes being made at board level and, and the whole thing was fairly chaotic. So I think it, it, it's worth pointing that out and uh, hopefully we've given some nuance to the debate because it's not quite as easy as saying this is an absurd sacking and or in fact yes he absolutely deserves to be sacked I think uh, hopefully we've explained why we might be falling somewhere somewhere in between really Um, let's start our analysis of the running 10 games to go we'll start at the top of the championship Uh, it's well, I was going to say it's straightforward this, George, because it's, it's, it's three in two, two automatic promotion places. <clears throat> Norwich top at the moment on 72, Leeds two back on 70, Sheffield United two back from them on 68. Sheffield United host Leeds next weekend. I have been asked three times by three different people in the last week, uh, who's going up from the championship? And I wish I'd said this earlier in the season, but I've basically refused to make any predictions, George, because I, I, I can't. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. There is so little between these three teams. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I would probably say, if I had to say, I'd say that Leeds are the most likely to drop out. Um, I was one of the, the uh, probably few people who, who thought that Norwich were pretty good midweek. Uh, sorry, on Friday night. I mean, a lot of the commentary and a lot of the a lot of the pundits uh, on Sky were saying that, that that Swansea had the better of the of the first half. I thought that Norwich were always the most likely to score, um, despite Swansea's possession. Um, so, and, and I think Norwich being able to show that they can win in different ways is also very important. And they're a team who, a few months ago, we thought always had to be on the front foot, be playing a possession style of football. Whereas they showed on uh, on Friday night they can play on the counter and and really effectively as well. I mean, the way that. Timo Puki runs those lines is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, his movement is just, given his his kind of lack of pace, the away the ability to get away from a marker and beat and beat the offside line is is tremendous. Um, and Sheffield United are just rampant. So uh, with Leeds injury troubles, I mean Bamford now looks like he's going to be out for a, for a couple of weeks. Roof obviously a long term casualty, and and I'm not convinced that Tyler Roberts is is the player who can who can lead that line. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope. Although the one thing that it does seem to be the case with Bielsa's leads is it does personnel just doesn't really matter, um, except for Janssen and Cooper at the back and, and Pablo in, in, in that ten role. It's, it's just the system is, is so effective. So um, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. But I, if I had to say, I'd say that they would be the least likely now. But um, but yeah, not with any conviction. So much rides on that game at Bramall Lane next week when they played at Ellen Road. It was a tight game. Decided by an error at the back from Henderson. Good bit of play from Clark and Leeds got the win there. Another interesting wrinkle to this is, you know, with 10 games to go, you start looking at the fixture list and you start really focusing on that and trying to boil down how many points everyone's going to get from their games. All three have genuinely pleasant fixture lists on, on the way in. Which <laughs> That's another great turn of phrase that as well. Which I'm fine this morning. <laughs> I went for a long run this morning and it's been it's absolutely thrown me. So I'm I'm have you, just have you, have you done your run? Yeah, hour and twenty. Oh mate, I thought it was this afternoon. No, there's so much football on this afternoon, I couldn't miss it. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Well done. I'm all over the place to be honest. So we're gonna see how we do. Um all well, three when, when you're running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all three of us, uh, all three of us. All three of the teams won on the weekend and, and that's been a bit of a common theme. Uh you can make very strong cases for all of them I think uh, Norwich have won six of their last seven they they play very well they can win different ways as you say 
Leeds, as we know, are on their day pretty much the toughest opponent to play against in the league just because of, of how intense they are and how difficult they make it for you in possession. And Sheffield United are, are sort of the team that, that has it all, uh, in a sense. No difference between their away performances and their home performances. Pretty much dominant, uh, both home and away. Um, very solid defensively. Uh, a formation that constantly causes overloads and and, uh, and lets them progress the ball through the middle of the pitch and throughout and out wide as well. Threats from all over, four different types of striker. Uh, it, it truly is impossible to call. Uh, and you've said a few times, you, you kind of just wish that we cancelled the playoffs this year and, and, and sent all three up. Is that is that how you're feeling at the moment still? Well, I was going to, I was going to say, we've been saying for a long time that the, uh, that the playoffs uh, is kind of one, about four or five teams after one spot. But are, are Borough in it? Are Borough definitely going to be able to... I mean, obviously right now they have a, a five-point advantage. I think it is over a four-point advantage over Bristol City with a game in hand over most teams, not City though. And I'm just wondering if possibly... I mean, I, I've watched the highlights of their game yesterday and, you know, it's one of those... Ben Rama's goals, one of those goals where as soon as a ball hits the back of the net, you hear the home fans booing mm. pretty loudly. Uh, things not necessarily all well there. Their home form had picked up, but that's a defeat there. Again, and, and so slightly reliant on away form. Um, I'm now wondering if, given the good form of the likes of, of, of Nottingham Forest, of Preston, even of Brentford, if possibly there might be two spots available. But um, but yeah, I mean, going back to your first question, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think those are the three teams that do deserve to go up. But if one of that chasing pack can muscle their way in, um, then, then I think they've got a huge shout. Is it as simple as saying, you know, give, given your concerns about a lot of the teams in the playoff picture at the moment and who might still fight their way in, is it, as, is it simple enough to say that whoever doesn't make the automatics will be strong, strong favourites to win the playoffs? And, and would you agree with that? Or is the playoffs completely different beast? Don't look too much at the league table. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, unless things change between now and the end of the season. Uh, Preston are the one team where if they continue the way they're going, <laughs> could, 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 Kind of feature in the in, in the betting stakes, I guess. But but it, I mean, right now the playoffs is Sheffield United, West Brom, Middlesbrough, and Derby. And um, yeah, I mean, in my head, Sheffield United are the most likely winners there by by absolute miles. Um, no question. Well, you've kind of segued us on already into the playoff picture. We've spoken about West Brom. They are fourth at the moment. Uh, they have a seven-point cushion over Bristol City, who are the, the 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 head challenger at the moment for the playoff places. So. Um, th that sort of it makes that managerial change and we don't know who will come in yet even more interesting because they have got to an extent a certain cushion a certain safety so they know that they will be in the playoffs and, and the next 10 games is basically geared towards making sure they're right for the first leg of the semi-final whoever they may be playing and that might sound premature but they're seven points or they're nine points off the automatics which is too much and their seven points cushion in the playoffs. So they're looking pretty good for the playoffs. Middlesbrough, you've voiced your concerns over there. And Derby are in sixth, who uh, you've, you've not been particularly hot on over the last few months as well. So, I mean, <laughs> pretty ugly playoff picture generally at the moment. Yeah, exactly. But that's why I think the, the chasing packs are interesting. Um, it's been disappointing to see Bristol City um, not being able to maintain that form. We talk about, about Lee Johnson and his streaky nature. Um, I was speaking to a Bristol City fan yesterday who did point out that whilst this might be the case, they have played well in defeat to decent teams in the last few weeks and got a very good point against Preston as well. So. well and, the, and the run started after an unbelievable performance against Wolves in the Cup in which they lost 1-0, yeah, exactly, but basically exactly. took them all the way. So it might be 
harsh to say that we're seeing one of those runs now. Um, so, you you know, I, I wouldn't rule them out at all. Preston on fire. Um, we're obviously recording this just ahead of Birmingham Villa. Um, so, But if Birmingham can pick up a win there, then they're right in it as well. Um, Forrest what about if doing Villa good things under Martin O'Neill. Yeah. They'll I mean, be I, on I, 51 I, on the same amount yeah. of points as Preston and above them on goal difference. Yeah, exactly. So it is it is unbelievably open. Um, and, and I do think that both Derby and Middlesbrough are so vulnerable. I mean, as are West Brom in my eyes, but you know, they're, they're probably too far clear. Hmm. Um, you'd expect whoever they bring in to get them the points at least needed to, to get over that line. But um, but I mean, as we said with the, with the promotion picture, I wouldn't like to, to make a prediction on who'll get in. But, but what I will say is I, I don't think Derby County will be in the playoffs at the end of the season. What about Nottingham Forest? Uh, a, a glaring omission from your last answer. Just, you basically I, I, I mentioned said, everyone said, else, didn't no, you? No, I did. Did I, I, I said doing great stuff under Martin O'Neill. My problem is I, I don't listen to you when you're talking. No, you don't. Um, you're but, busy. I mean, they're, they're two points off. They've got a well, a, a well better goal difference. God, what is wrong with me today? And they've had a really interesting time, as you mentioned, under Martin O'Neill. He has, to my eyes, certainly galvanised the fans, which is, is always sort of step one, isn't it? Um, a wonderful atmosphere uh, at the city ground at the moment and trying out a, a fair few different things tactically, just getting to know his squad, uh, which I think is not a bad thing to do, not something that you see many managers do. Uh, he really has chopped and changed a, a fair bit and mostly what he's done has worked and uh, I think it, it, you can only say it's been a, a hugely positive start under O'Neill for Forrest and, and possibly not, which is not necessarily what we predicted. So, so massive credit to them. And they are very much lurking, aren't they? If, uh, especially, they, they, you know, they'd absolutely love to take Derby's spot. But essentially, uh, to, to the end of this playoff segment, George, uh, we don't have a clue. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it is. And just another word on, on Nottingham Forest as well. I mean, if I do agree that Martin O'Neill's doing good stuff, but if he could please stop dropping um, Lewis Graben, I'd be really appreciative <laughs> because I bought his goals and it's really frustrating to see him just sitting on 16 <laughs> and not getting any game time, yeah. especially when they're getting penalties as well. Um, <laughs> no time for Joe Lolly stroking them in. But no, I mean, to be serious, I, it, we haven't given him much credit, but he's come in and I think straight away we've seen a massive improvement and also, um, which is, it feels like he's almost testing out his squad for next season mm. but in doing so it's picking up the results that could see them get into the playoffs this time so um yeah, it, it, the, the the sacking of Karanka was another one that seemed to rankle a few people mm. who didn't who didn't really understand the championship and, and straight away um Martin O'Neill's doing good stuff yeah I, I mustn't we mustn't go too strong on this because we do also pass comment on on managerial sackings and appointments of and, course. and often we're not right but I think one more thing I just wanted to say is it's quite worth noting that we don't know what pre-season expectations are and what objectives have been set. In any job that I can think of, uh, you have, what would you call them in yours, George? Probably KPIs or something, some sort of jargon like that. You have things that you, your objectives that you're trying to achieve. And if, if you're not doing them, if it's, let's say, hypothetically, and we don't know with Darren Moore, if they said... We want to be in the automatic promotion race at the very least. And, and, and thus, we are going to keep our players that all want to leave. Rodriguez and, and the likes who could have probably got moved to the Premier League. And if they played for Swansea, probably would have got moved to the Premier League. We're going to keep these players because we want to be in the automatic promotion race. Darren Moore says, OK, I understand. I would like to keep them. I think that's important. Uh, if that's the, the, the goal, let's do that. Uh, and, and they're not in that. So... 
you, I just think there needs to be a bit more nuance. We don't, I, I, I'm, I'm in saying that, I'm making it sound like I know that's what the expectation was. And I don't know that. But I think it's worth pointing out that we don't know that. So stop saying it's ridiculous if you don't necessarily know what, what's, what's been going on. What's Agreed. Been I mean, the, the, just, the, the one thing that we can all take issue with is, is just how, um, you know, the lack of security over these guys' jobs. It's, it's not right that we live, the, you know, in football, um, a manager can lose his job when he's got them as the fourth best team in, in the league and, and so easily be, be dispensed with. I, I agree with that on like a human level, but in terms of a footballing decision, I think it makes sense. Let's move on to the relegation battle in the Championship. This one is slightly more straightforward in the sense that, unfortunately, and despite an impressive win yesterday, I think we do still think it's going to be very difficult for Bolton to get out of the relegation places and impossible for Ipswich to get out of the relegation places. In saying that about Bolton, I'm now already... I've just got a horrible flash forward to them staying up on final day, somehow with an Aaron Wilbraham goal, even though he doesn't play there anymore. <laughs> um, and, and one of the, I suppose, one of the, one of the reasons for encouragement for Bolton will be what's happening above them. Uh, there is now very much four teams: Reading, Wigan, Millwall, and Rotherham, desperately trying to avoid the drop. And yesterday was a big day for that. With about ten minutes to go at the Majeski Stadium, Wigan were leading two one. They were up on 39 points. Uh, Reading and Millwall were on 34 and Rotherham 33. Uh, and then there was a two-goal swing, Reading getting the winner. Uh, they're now alongside Wigan on 36, with Millwall two below on 34 and Rotherham one below on 33. So just three points separating the four teams. Uh, if momentum is a thing, it's with Reading. And you wouldn't really say it's with anyone else. Wigan and Millwall especially, uh, certainly a lot of doom and gloom more so than Rotherham, based on what their expectations were and where they were a few months ago. They have to be really, really worried about this. Yeah, they do. I mean, I think Reading's uh, double at, at the death against Wigan yesterday is, is a huge moment in this relegation race. Um, you know, 2-1 down at home to a team that you're you're, you're battling with to stay up and, uh, and to score two goals, one in the 89th minute, one in the 90th minute, to win that 3-2. Is, is a real game changer for both teams. And and despite the fact they're now level on points, uh, Reading just above Wigan on goal difference, it, it's going to feel to Reading as if they've lifted themselves out of that danger, at least in the short term. It's just a, sh- a shame for them that next up they've got Leeds midweek. Um, but uh, I don't know who I expect to go down now. Um, Reading with the team that I still thought were the likely one to go down. I, I'm sticking to my guns and saying I think Rotherham's home form um, is going to, be better in the run into the turn of the season. I think they are going to get more more wins and turn those draws in, 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 into victories. Um, although losing Will Volks, um, presumably for three games, is not ideal um, in, in this run and after sending off yesterday for what was a pretty horrific tackle. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm not stupid enough not to realise that Rotherham are, are the obvious ones who and are, and are the likely ones to go down at the current stage. But um, Wigan have serious issues uh, on, on the road um, a win yesterday would have been. I mean, they've they've sacrificed winning positions twice in a week now away from home against Derby and against Reading, which is really really poor. Um, and and Millwall can't seem to to get into gear at all. Can so. we talk about Millwall having lost four in a row and at the most important part of the season going to Bolton uh, and and losing two one? Just a, a, a well. Do you call a goal that makes it two one in the eighty seventh minute a consolation? Probably not. That might be a bit strong, but. You know, ultimately they were two 0 down uh, going into the final stages and, and and didn't come back. I mean, there's unbelievable concern there. This is a team that is is meant to be 
unbelievably difficult to play against and they haven't shown any of that uh, uh, since they went to Derby and, and shut them down, scored a goal on the counter-attack. Um, they tried a similar thing against Norwich. It didn't really work. They've lost in recent weeks to Preston and Hull. Uh, good teams, top half of the table teams. And then this defeat against Bolton makes you realise that, you know, they haven't just been pluckily having a go against the good teams and getting unlucky, that, that there's bigger issues because they, they simply have to start picking up points. Uh, their next four games, away to Birmingham, home to Bristol City, away to Leeds and home to West Brom, they've got pretty much the hardest run in in the division. Uh, uh, along with Rotherham, I'm just looking at the bottom here, have got a very similar run in. Uh, that's why I think as a Reading fan, as a Wigan fan, you can be feeling a little safer, although I don't think Wigan will be feeling like that right now. Yeah, uh, well, I don't think anyone down there is going to feel particularly safe. It's similar to the League One um, situation where because those teams down there are struggling so much to pick up any points, I think they're all probably convinced that they're going down. Um, but as a long way to go. I mean, it does feel like Wigan's fixtures play into their hands a bit. They've still got some easy games um, at home to come. But as you say, Millwall's run of fixtures coming up now is really, really tricky. And it would be no surprise, given they've got Birmingham away and Leeds away next up, um, if, if that run of four stretches to six. And, uh, and if that is the case, they'll probably find themselves in the drop zone. Just a quick break to mention uh, Football Index and specifically the players who have been added to the platform. Uh, we talked about it last week and since then uh, I think there's five or six guys who you guys requested who we've managed to get Football Index to add to the platform. They are Ben Godfrey, Bursant Salina, Alan Brown, John Fleck, Adam Reach and Jordan Rossiter. George, when you saw those guys get added, was there anyone that, that really excited you at the prices? Yeah, Alan Brown is the one that I bought. Um, I think he'll be a Premier League player very, very soon. He gets goals, which is important as well. Um, and he's a player that I think is is just trending in the right direction at the moment, whether it's for Preston or if he snapped up in the summer. Uh, the way that Preston is operated, um, you know, he's an investment on which they're going to make a tidy profit. Um, so I don't think it'll take too long for him, to, his price to rocket up. Um, and Selena's another interesting one as well. I haven't actually bought him because I missed the boat a bit, but um, he was he was very impressive mid midweek. Um, he's a player who, who catches the eye every time he plays, given his, his style of football, his dribbling ability, his passing ability. Uh, so maybe, and you know, he's, he's got Premier League quality, given that he came from the, the City Academy. So he could be another one worth keeping an eye on. Well, they're such different profiles, aren't they? I, I sort of wondered whether Alan Brown being underrated, that instantly feels like a good thing for Football Index, because at some point, uh, you know, he'll 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 start to be rated on on a level with how good he is. But it's possible that because he is a bit under the radar compared to some, and Selena, of course, known from his City Academy days, uh, maybe it might take a little longer for uh, for the market to to catch up with Brown. But uh, we've got a few more players being added this week, so please stay tuned to us on Twitter at NTT Twenty Pod. If you do like the sound of Football Index and you want to find out more, there's a lot of information on the website about exactly how it works and it's worth reading uh, the rules, reading how it works before you sign up, before you get involved. But if you do that and you would like to get involved and start trading, you can use our referral code, which is NTT20. This means that if you deposit £20 or more, Football Index will give you £20 bonus uh, trading cash to use uh, in order for you to get started. So do use the code if you do fancy signing up. Make sure you check out terms and conditions. Make sure you find out exactly how the platform works uh, and let us know if you're getting involved.
are we meant to be feeling more sure of ourselves and our opinions at this stage, do you think? Do you think generally with 10 games to go, the picture's a bit clearer? Because I, I, it's, I, I feel like I need to hand in my... my... Notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I feel like it's the pressure's getting a bit too much on me here. More and more we say, goodness me, how exciting is this? And how impossible is it to call? I think I think everyone else knows how difficult it is to call. So I'm, I'm hoping that people don't uh, don't lose respect for you, mate. I think you'll be okay. What little respect they still cling on to. Uh, yeah. League One automatic promotion, similar-ish to uh, the championship battle. Well, very similar actually, because it's three into two still. Uh, Luton are on 76, the best team in the land or the best team in the EFL in terms of points. Barnsley are second, on three points behind on 73. Barnsley have got more points than Norwich, and they've got more points than Lincoln, who topped the other two divisions. But not good enough because of this uh, Luton side. Sunderland are four points behind Barnsley. They have both a game in hand and a game against Barnsley at Oakwell coming up. So a little bit like this Sheffield United and Leeds situation where they're playing each other and they're very close in the table. We have that again. Sunderland rescuing a point late on against Wickham, still having scored in every league game this season. And Barnsley just swatting aside all comers recently, looking very, very comfortable themselves. So again, uh, three teams with with a lot of confidence, George, and, and all with good reasons for them to be in the top two. How do you see it at the moment? I think the top two will be the top two. Um despite my brief dalliance of thinking Sunderland were half decent and, and they and they are, they are improving obviously despite the result yesterday um, I, I still think that, that Luton and Barnsley are a different quality to them and, and given the head start they've already got um, I'd fully expect Barnsley to win that to win that game at Oakwell as well so um, this is one where I'm happy to, to keep up my opinion um, and I, th- I think the top three will finish the top three at the end of the season One of the things that slightly adds to this is that Sunderland not only have they been on this run where they've had to play so many games because of postponements, rearranged games, and their run to the Checker Trade Trophy final, which is at the end of this month, but obviously they've got a game in hand as well. They've got uh, the the final of the Checker Trade to play. I think there's going to be another rearranged game when they play Fleetwood. They're meant to play them on the 23rd of March, but I'm led to believe that's going to be rearranged due to international call-ups. So they're going to have an April in which they are probably going to have to play eight league games in about 25, 27 days. Uh, and they've, they've already been on a run where they've played about eight games in about 30 days. So a really, really difficult situation for Jack Ross and, and juggling the squad, trying to make sure that his key players, by which uh, we mean Ledbitter and McGeady, we've spoken about so much recently, and Grigg as well, trying to keep them on the pitch, but trying to keep them in the best physical condition so that they're playing at the top of their game it's uh, it's a really tough task for him uh, Luton George any concerns they drew with Plymouth yesterday Mick Harford is is just sort of on, on cruise control yeah I mean no, no concerns really um, they were never going to be able to win every game uh, and a point away from home is never a bad thing um, a bit surprised they couldn't they couldn't score at Adams Park but uh, sorry at home park <laughs> Derek Adams Park um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, I mean, no real concerns from me. Um, I do think that uh, if you're a Luton fan, you probably would like to get this sewn, sewn up pretty quickly because I don't think that Mick Harford probably would be able to just um, kind of click into into gear and, and, and let this sail on for too long. 
but uh, but at the moment, uh, no, no, no concerns. As we know from our, our champ man days, Derek Adams has still got a fair bit to go until he gets the stadium <laughs> named after him. And, and I, uh, think, I think Wickham might have something to say if they named, if they named it the same as... Uh, <laughs> Is their place. Yeah, Adams Arena uh, will be what it's called. Uh, what about the playoff places? Obviously, one of those three teams will be in the playoffs. Similar sort of situation uh, in that you've got a Portsmouth team who have dropped off the top so spectacularly, seem to have been stabilising slightly, who got beaten by Charlton on Saturday evening and, and fairly well beaten. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a gulf of class between the two teams, but Charlton definitely good for that win and looking quite impressive. These two are, to my eyes, George, almost guaranteed to play each other uh, in the semi-finals. There's an eight-point gap now between Charlton and Doncaster. Donny do have a game in hand. Uh, and above Portsmouth in third, uh, Sunderland, four-point gap, and Sunderland have played a game fewer. So with 10 games to go, one of the things I'm most sure of is that we'll see Pompey play Charlton uh, in the playoffs. And that would be a, an unbelievable game based on yesterday. They're, they're such... They're so evenly matched, and uh, I was I was especially impressed with impressed, especially impressed with uh, with Charlton's theft of Luton's diamond formation. They 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 look like they're in pretty good nick, I must say. Yeah, they do. Um, after a little wobble, um, Pompey's still uh, a concern, uh, despite obviously getting back to winning ways. Uh, but yesterday's result wasn't a good one for them. Um, but as you say, it feels like for both teams now, it, it's it's ensuring that there isn't a huge drop-off in, in performance, maintaining that some form into the playoffs and, and preparing for that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'll be interested to see what, by come the end of the season, given all, all of Jackets tinkering, um, how they'll line up for that for that playoff uh, semi-final. I because think he's kind of stopped tinkering now, or at has. least in the well, last few weeks. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, it feels like he's kind of... Uh, I mean, at least the performances have got better, I guess. I mean, even yesterday, um, they, they showed signs of, of life, despite Charlton being very impressive indeed. So... Um, two teams that, that will definitely will deserve their place in the playoffs. Um, it's going to be an unbelievably difficult playoffs to to uh, to, to predict, I guess. I mean, Doncaster. Ever since I said that, I thought they'd be the most likely if they if they get there, they've just completely dropped off a cliff. So um, interesting to see what's going to happen. It's always hard to keep up the likes of performance levels that Donny have withheld all season long. That's not to say that they've fallen off a cliff, but Results certainly ha- have have cooled a little bit. Now, they're still in sixth place. They're above Peterborough on goal difference. They have played a game less than Peterborough. Uh, yesterday, both sides lost. Peterborough were blown away by Bradford uh, and Doncaster lost against AFC Wimbledon. A caveat there, John Marcus was sent off in that one uh, at 0-0 and it looked fairly... It looked fairly harsh, to be quite honest with you. So um, he'll miss a game. Uh, they will have to play, uh, well, whoever comes sixth will have to play one of Sunderland, Barnsley, Luton, whoever doesn't make the automatics. Um, are you fairly confident it will be Doncaster? As I said, level on points with Peterborough. Any other contenders would be Blackpool, who are three back, uh, Coventry, five back, uh, maybe Fleetwood, six back. But even in saying the team names, it's, it's difficult to, to muster up any sort of fake excitement, uh, personally, that, 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 those, that those guys are going to go on a run good enough to, to make up the ground? Yeah, I think Donny are the most likely by miles. Um, I mean, given that Peterborough level on points, then you have to say that they're, they're at least in with the chance. But, but between those two teams, um, especially with Doncaster with a game in hand, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if they're not um, in, this, in the four. 
Let's move on to the relegation battle in League One. And by relegation battle in League One, I mean, let's look at the, the, rest, bo- the rest of the table. <laughs> let's look at the... No, I, I think Burton are, are free from it. And then they're the, the only team I wouldn't mention. Um, from Wickham in 12th to Bradford in 23rd, there is an eight-point gap between 12 teams, uh, which is complete carnage, obviously. Um, uh, 11 teams, I should say. Uh, ABC Wimbledon, uh, um, they are seven points from safety, and yet, off the back of a win yesterday and a couple of half-decent performances in the last few weeks, I, I genuinely think they don't think they're doomed. I think everyone else does, but I don't think they do, and that might count for something. Uh, we'll see how they get on in the next few few games. But um, how do you even begin to, to overview this, George, this basically 12-team scrap to avoid three or four relegation places uh, you're pretty well placed to tell me given that your side Oxford currently in the relegation zone occupying 21st place I mean yeah as a fan of one of the teams um it's bizarre I mean <laughs> it feels like it's impossible to get out of it because it goes it goes up so high I mean I on the back of two two wins uh going to Gillingham yesterday um at nil nil I looked at uh, my live score app and saw that we were we were sitting in twenty uh, in the uh, in twenty first in the relegation zone and that would have been with seven points in three games and I literally looked up and the corner came in and Gillingham went, went one nil up so that was annoying um, but uh, yeah it, it it feels just it's a horrible situation for everyone to be in because there are so many teams down there I guess it just feels like you can't lift yourself out of it um, a win yesterday would have put Oxford up to fourteenth position and now we're in twenty first um, it's uh, it's really really tough. We are lucky enough to have one of the easier, well, supposedly easier fixture lists um, on the run-in. We've got Rochdale away on Tuesday night and then Bradford on home, home on, on Saturday. You feel like that's got to be at least four points from those two games. Um, but even if we get four points in those two games, we're not going to be out of it anyway. So it's um, it's it's really difficult. Uh, I, I'm not confident that we're going to we're going to get enough points. But at the same time, I'm aware there are so many other teams down there who are also pretty poor. We're also struggling to pick up points as well, so it's impossible to make any any sense of. And, and anyone who's, who's who's looking at this and trying to work out who's going to get relegated, I'd um, I'd be impressed if they can pick the bottom four. I'm just looking at the page on Soccer Stats, which is run-in analysis at the each team's opponents' current points per game values, uh, and it, it's fairly negligible the difference between most of the teams down there. So just to to give an overview, uh, Oxford. As you say, uh, an easy-ish run-in. Uh, 1.29 is the average points per game of the teams you still have to play. Um, so far, it's been 1.4. So an easier run-in from what you've had before. But that's the same for almost every team. It, it, it is quite negligible. There's one outlier, and that is that Walsall have an exceptionally difficult run-in. Uh, 1.56. Uh, that's because they play Portsmouth, Sunderland uh, and Barnsley in the next three games. So it might be worth keeping an eye out for Walsall. They've had a positive few weeks, including a good win yesterday. Uh, Accrington as well are a team who do have a, a fairly difficult run-in, but otherwise it's much for muchness uh, below that. So it, it, it truly is uh, all to play for. And each week we focus on another team that has sort of appeared to drag themselves out of it. I suppose Gillingham are that team at the moment. Uh, and given you saw them yesterday, it'd be interesting to see what you think about them. They made some... Uh, bold purchases and moves on deadline day. Uh, they've won three out of five since then, uh, losing to Sunderland and drawing to Fleetwood, but beating teams in the bottom half. And that's kind of the key. Uh, 
what what were they like? Can you see why they are grinding out victories against the poorer teams? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. It was a terrible game. I mean, it really was awful. And this is no disrespect for Gillingham because you, you couldn't. I think a nil-nil draw would have been a fair result. But I, I don't think they either team really had a shot. I mean, Oxford created a few chances. There was a 10-15 minutes fell in the second half. Oxford were well on top um, and had a few chances, but didn't really test the keeper. And um, the whole of the first half belonged belong to Gillingham, who were by far the better team in that first half and didn't give Oxford a kick. Um, Tom Eves missed a penalty early in, the, early in the second half as well. I wasn't impressed with him at all, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously, he's a, he's a difficult player to play against and, and he's so important to what Gillingham do with his physicality and his finishing ability. But having said that, I'm, I'm absolutely baffled they didn't take the money um, from, from Sunderland that was offered because they're never going to get that, that offer again, I don't think. Um, and given his... His size and the way he plays, um, I, I can't imagine he's going to be a, a footballer who ages particularly well either. Um, so, uh, but uh, but in, in fairness, what about he, um, De Silva Lopez? We, we spoke about De Silva Lopez a few weeks ago. We said we haven't always understood exactly where all the hype has come from uh, from such a young age. What was he like? It, it was a game that basically bypassed midfield, to be honest. Um, so yeah. we didn't really see too much of him. Um, there were very, I mean, I, I'd be, I'd love to know how many passes there were completed in the first half. I, I, I'd have thought it would be under under 150. Um, but uh, it really was shocking. Um, but one thing Gillingham did very, very well was was their, their pressing um, and, and their harrying on the ball. It, it, I think they got a bit tired late on um, because only in the last kind of 25 minutes did Oxford get their foot on the ball a bit. Um, but before that, there was absolutely no time um, to, to do anything on it. Uh, ball players um, not really getting involved at all. Um, I, again, it's hard to be particularly overly positive by either team on the basis of yesterday. But definitely a, a massive win for Gillingham and, and I'm not going to begrudge them that win, having missed a penalty as well. It was a game of, of very few chances where whoever scored was going to likely win it and, um, and they managed to capitalise on a set piece. I mean, I, I was saying to my brother after the game yesterday that I'm slightly worried about having a player in Curtis Nelson playing centre-back for us in the run and given that he, you know, obviously in terms of quality, he's, he's our best centre-back by absolute mile. He's had a pretty disappointing season this season and there's there's no doubt in my mind that he will be leaving the club when his contract runs out at the end of the season. Um, he's already had the captaincy taken off him by Carl Robinson at the beginning of the season for refusing to sign a new contract. Um, he is fairly prickly when in the media um, doesn't come across as a particularly good bloke and having a, a centre-back in such an important position who realistically did this, this relegation, I can't imagine is going to mean a great deal to him given that he's aware that he'll be at a different club next season. In comparison, say, someone like Rob Dickey, who a relegation here would be massively, um, it would be a huge moment in his career, um, not for good reasons. Oxford's defending of set pieces yet again yesterday was very, very poor, conceding goals from set pieces. And so having, you know, your, your, your supposedly your rock at the back, maybe not being quite as emotionally invested as, as the rest of the team, um, you know, I'm sure if Curtis listens to this or heard this, he would refute it very, very quickly. And I'm not saying it would be it would be a deliberate um, move for him not to necessarily put the shift in, but just on a, on some level, if you've got a player who knows he's leaving the club at the end of the season in a relegation fight, I'm not uh, who's already had the captaincy taken off him. I'm not sure that's uh, that's a great situation to be in. I think it's unlikely that Curtis Nelson's listening to this, but it's a lovely idea. If Rob Dickey's <laughs> listening to this, uh, given what George is saying, it would be damaging. Uh, to an extent, for uh, for you to suffer relegation with Oxford, try 
not to give away penalties uh, yeah. if that's yeah. the case. League two uh, at the top is the same as the championship, the same as League one. There are uh, there is own, there is there are not enough spots up for grabs. Four into three, we reckon, and there was a big change this weekend as MK Dons punched their way in. It's actually pretty ridiculous. The story of MK Dons' season um, looked fairly imperious for the first three or four months, and then uh, over Christmas and in January went on such a bad run that they dropped out of the playoffs altogether. They were eighth uh, on the 9th of February. Since then, they've played five league games, they've won all of them, and they're back into the automatic. So uh, football is the greatest sport in the world, as we know. This is another <laughs> good example of that. Uh, it's at the expense of Mansfield, and Mansfield have got to be very, very concerned because they're a team a little like West Brom in the sense that they have a squad that for this level on paper, and therefore I assume, and I must admit, I do not know the ins and outs of their wage bill, but I think we can safely assume a wage bill that is lofty and uh, that comes with pressures of its own and and them dropping out of the automatic playoff positions uh, will increase the pressure on David Flickcroft. Anyway, in terms of the, the, the autos in general, 72 uh, is the amount of points Lincoln have. Berrier on 70, Milton Keynes on 65 and Mansfield on 64. So first and foremost, champions for you, George, you kind of flitted back and forth on this, but you have always been a bit concerned about Lincoln, so I assume you still are. Yeah, 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 Barry, I think will win the league, is, is my pick. And I think that having not been able to put my finger on which club MK Dons would would, would replace in the top three, um, it's not, that job has been made a lot easier. So <laughs> I now think that it probably will be Mansfield dropping out. They're going to have a very, very tough time chasing down this MK Dons team because, as I mentioned, the performances now compared to the beginning of the season, despite the fact the results are the same in terms of that they're winning, they're a better team now. Um, they're a better team in the way they're playing. They're, they're creating more chances. They're very, very solid at the back. And um, I think they will close, they'll, they'll make up ground on the two above them rather than uh, rather than being caught by, by the one below them. Tisdale, in a very Tisdale way, uh, made a change at half-time yesterday. Uh, they were one all with Macclesfield at that point. Brought on Jordan Houghton, uh, moved him to the middle of defence where he was, uh, in <laughs> in my eyes, and I didn't watch the game live, in my eyes he was sort of a libero type uh, stepping out Lovely. into midfield. Uh, but they came back to win that game 3-1. So justified tactical switch from, from Tisdale. And that is something that we've always assumed or is, is assumed that he is you know uh, maybe something that he's better at than the majority of people in this division tactical switches in game seeing issues uh, and making swift changes tactically so um, he will just want to avoid the playoffs having lost in the final the last two years with Exeter um, what about the playoff places because we'll have like the other two divisions a team miss out on automatic promotion who are over the course of 46 games undeniably stronger than everyone else um, if it's Mansfield, for example, they'll be going into a playoff picture which is certainly not fully decided below them. Um, would you be confident of, the, of, of a Mansfield if they are to go in the playoffs uh, uh, winning those? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be confident they're winning. I think, again, they would be the, the rightful favourite and the most likely winner. Um, I mean, Forest Green's uh, drop-off in form is alarming, to say the least. They're the one team who I think have the quality to maybe trouble them. Um, but yeah, I mean... I However, out of that out of that four, whether it's Mansfield or, or MK Dons or possibly one of the other two, but unlikely, um, very unlikely. Why, um, why I, do I we think... why do we never seem sure about David Flitcroft? <laughs> I, that, is that you saying you're not sure about David Flitcroft? Then asking me to justify it. Yes. Um, he 
I, I think he's a fine manager, if that makes sense. I mean, again, going back to Mike Holden, who friend of the pod, Mike, um, who, who says that he follows manager trends rather than team trends. And I think Flitcroft is your typical kind of 7 out of 10 meh manager, really. Um, he'll he'll get a tune out of you to an extent. So you're unlikely to... I mean, he has actually in his career suffered some serious slumps of form, to be fair. But I think given the given that the squad he's got at his disposal at, Man, at Mansfield... Um, I, I think there are, there are managers who'd get more out of them, um, but at the same time, he's doing an okay job. <laughs> After defeat yesterday, it's going to be difficult for Swindon uh, to reach the playoffs. You'd say that. Well, I say that, and uh, uh, it's it's another in a long line of me saying something, and as I say it, kind of losing my my strength of feeling. Um, they have a game in hand over the rest of the division, <laughs> and if they were to win it, they'd be on fifty three. But currently, they're on fifty. Uh, Forest Green ninth, fifty four. Exeter eighth which is the the last non-playoff spot on 55 and then we've got Carlisle 56 Colchester 57 Tranmere 50, 58 so it's, it's very much all up for grabs here as well George and, and basically a load of teams who we've all spoken who we've spoken about all of them over the course of the season for whom I think you can make a case for and against all of them basically at this stage which makes it hard to to really stick your neck out I, I wouldn't want to make a call here at all um, every team I say here that I, I, I think are, are going to get into it, they seem to suddenly be incapable of winning football matches, Exeter and, and Forest Green being the two at the moment. Um, so, I, yeah, it's impossible to say. Tram is home form. You think we'll, we'll definitely see them through. Um, and except for that, I mean, Swindon were a team that, again, that I thought were, were trending in the right direction. I was very surprised to see them beat yesterday. And yet again, we still don't give Carlisle the credit they deserve because... <laughs> They're not going away. No, oh, they had um, a they had a pretty poor run before. Uh, a really poor run. Yeah. A really poor run. Um, and it looked to me like the you know the the uh, the Sheridan effect had gone. Pressy was having a difficult time, but then that's a massive massive win yesterday. So um, so yeah, rule them out at your peril, I guess. Uh, and and lastly, relief in my voice. To be quite honest with you, to what extent, George, is the League Two relegation battle? the most sewn up of all of the different parts of the EFL. We've got Notts County bottom on 29, Macclesfield second bottom on 30, and then a six-point gap between them and safety. Yeovil on 36, Port Vale on 37, and Morecambe on 38. It seems like those teams, Morecambe, Port Vale and Yeovil, and we probably have at different stages basically said that they'd all fall into the relegation zone eventually, but they all are showing just a tiny bit more than Macclesfield and Knotts, who are both in, in some real trouble. Yeah, stick a fork in it. Uh, it's done. The relegation battle here is done and dusted, in my opinion. Um, despite you know times where we thought that Knotts County were showing some life under odds, despite signs of, of Macclesfield improving under Sol Campbell, um, as you say, the, the, the teams above them are showing enough to ease their way their sums, themselves away from it. And it's going to take a massive turnaround and form uh, a real w- winning run from either of those two teams to, to chase them down. So I think, I mean, this is famous last words, but I think we know who's getting relegated. Smashing stuff. Well, we're very excited. There's 10 games to go. Uh, we will be back again late next week with a betting show, but we hope that you are as as uh, as excited as we are about the run-in. Please tweet us at NTT20Pod with your thoughts, uh, both on our thoughts and uh, and to let us know what you think about the remainder of the season and what you think might happen. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for joining us, guys, and have a fantastic start to the week. <laughs>